Greetings, everyone, and welcome to our chapel service at Eastern Mennonite Seminary. This chapel service today is also part of our seminary's participation in the Broader University's Academic and Creative Excellence Festival. And today, we are delighted to have two presentations in the area of spirituality and imagination with visual arts and scripture. First, we will have Mary Beth Moore, who will present virtually on her topic, Playing and Praying with Scripture, Rediscovering Biblical Imagination Through Ignatian Contemplation, followed by Carmen Miller, who will present her capstone presentation, To Gaze with Love, Visual Arts as Spiritual Formation. And Carmen will present here in Martin Chapel, and the items that you see up front are things that she has brought as aids for worship today. After each student's presentation, we'll have a short period of time to engage with them. Either if you are on Zoom, you may unmute yourself and ask a question or make a comment at that time. Or if you are present in Martin Chapel, I will have a microphone that you can speak with. There is also a link that Clay Showalter is placing in the chat and is on the bottom of your program for a form you can fill out if you would like to provide feedback to our presenters. The order of worship is also a link posted in the chat or on Facebook Live. Let us pray as we gather this morning. Gracious God, you have been present throughout the ages in a myriad of ways. Today, we open our imaginations to connect with you, to experience your presence in new ways. As Mary Beth and Carmen guide us in this awareness, we pray that you will meet each of us wherever we are. We give you thanks for the ways you have guided these and other MDiv students on their journey these past years through their seminary studies. We long, God, to follow you with faithfulness, with courage, and with creativity. Ignite our spirits and imaginations through your dynamic presence, we pray. In the name of Christ, amen. Mary Beth will be introduced by Kevin Gosser, pastor of Stanton Mennonite Church. And following his introduction, introductory video, Mary Beth will begin her presentation. Today I have the great privilege of introducing my colleague and friend, Mary Beth Heatwell-Moore. There's so much that I could say about Mary Beth, but our time here is limited, and I was given very specific instructions to be respectful. So that eliminates like half of our stories. But in all seriousness, Mary Beth is a wonderful person. I first got to know her when she and her husband Chris, along with some friends, realized that there were not many church options for deaf people in the community around the Virginia School for the Deaf and Blind in Stanton, Virginia. So what did Mary Beth and her friends do? They started a church, a church where American Sign Language would be the primary language used, a church where Mary Beth continues to serve to this day as an ordained pastor. Mary Beth has a gift for learning languages, not only American Sign Languages, but the biblical languages as well. 
I remember how she was so excited when she was beginning seminary because she had the opportunity to study biblical Hebrew and Greek. She has also been recognized for her administrative capabilities by our district and conference. Mary Beth is the assistant chair of the Southern District of Virginia Mennonite Conference, as well as a member of the Faith and Life Commission of Virginia Mennonite Conference. She serves on their subcommittee, the Leadership Enrichment Committee as well. Mary Beth brings a rare combination of academic and social skills. She is relational, spiritual, and intrigued by theological questions. I had the opportunity to participate in Mary Beth's imaginative prayer group, which you'll hear about more here shortly, where she focuses on Ignatian contemplation, which is just as much fun to participate in as it is to say. Say it with me, Ignatian contemplation. <laughs> I was blessed by my time in this group, as I'm sure you will be as well, as Mary Beth leads us through these practices. I'd like to offer a prayer for Mary Beth as she begins. Please join me. Loving God, we pray for Mary Beth today, not only for clear thoughts and articulate words, but for an ongoing desire to seek you. May the words of her mouth and the meditation of her heart be pleasing in your sight, O Lord. Amen. Without further ado, I give you my friend, Mary Beth. Thank you, Kevin Gosser, for that respectful introduction. I am blessed by your friendship, too. Shalom Haver. And Shalom Haverim. Peace, friends. Jesus encouraged his followers to become like children. One hallmark of childhood is imaginative play. Children naturally use their imaginations to the, explore the world of possibilities that surround them. In contrast, many adults do not take the time to nurture the imaginative skills that came so spontaneously to them at younger ages. When interacting with scripture, many forget or refuse to use their imaginations. This has been true for me. I grew up in a Mennonite church with active children's Sunday school and vacation Bible school programs. I have fond memories of playful interaction with scripture as a child. The biblical stories came to life as we acted them out, taking on a variety of characters with each retelling. As an adult, scripture engagement for me has become more intellectual. I have rarely found the same level of creative scripture embodiment as I did when I was in children's Sunday school. That is until this past year when I encountered Ignatian contemplation. By using Ignatian contemplation techniques to play and pray with scripture, I believe that adults like me and you can enliven our spiritual connection with Jesus by inviting the Holy Spirit to breathe fresh, life-transforming power into us through imaginative engagement with biblical narratives, these narratives that to us may have become mundane, underimpressive, or overly intellectualized. The author of the first Psalm understood the importance of heartfelt connection with scripture. According to the Psalmist, those who continually meditate on scripture will prosper. The Hebrew word for meditate is Haggah. James Waltner in the Believer's Church Bible Commentary on the Psalms observes that the word Haggah is also used in Isaiah 31.4 
to indicate the quote, growling sound a lion makes over its prey, end quote. This reminds me of my cat Guate and his bear. Guate has developed a deep affinity for his bear. Every day for the past 14 and a half years, Guate has hagad on this bear. Let me show you a video clip. Who doesn't like a cat video? Now this video does not have sound, but he is mewing. Growling like a house cat lion over its prey. I watch him and I wonder how rich my spiritual formation would be if I would haga, meditate over scripture as much as Guate hagas this bear. In their commentary on the Psalms, Walter Brueggemann and William Bellinger write, quote, Psalm one urges a lifestyle centered on meditating on divine instruction, end quote. They note the significance of this psalm appearing at the beginning of the Psalter as a preamble to state the purpose or intent of all that is to follow. They state, quote, the wisdom teacher in Psalm 1 operates from the belief that God created a moral order to life and has observed that openness to divine instruction brings the possibility of full living. End quote. If this is true, the consistent practice of playing and praying with scripture, haggahing, meditating over the scripture will cause one to thrive. I entered seminary with a deep love for Jesus and a deep love for scripture, not only because scripture is an incredible, mind-blowing literary masterpiece, but because all scripture points to the divine. Each year during our formation courses, we were asked to set goals for ourselves. One goal that I kept throughout my years of seminary is to read the Bible, not only academically, but also devotionally. You see, I have discovered that academic engagement with scripture as entertaining and enjoyable and mind stimulating as it is, does little to engage my heart devotionally and transform my way of being. I have struggled to find a heart connection with the Bible. In May 2020, I needed to prepare a spiritual practice to share as an opening experience for a course I was taking. While I was searching for something to do, I stumbled across Ignatian contemplation and decided to use it to guide my classmates through a gospel narrative. As I was preparing that assignment, I immediately realized that this was the devotional way of engaging with scripture that I had been searching for since first writing that goal in 2017. 500 years ago, Ignatius of Loyola, in a way, also stumbled across this practice. While recovering from a near fatal cannonball injury, he spent almost a year convalescing at home. He had only two books to entertain him. Can you imagine? One of those books was The Life of Christ. It was through this book that God transformed this whimsical daydreamer's life. Margaret Silf writes in her book, Inner Compass, an invitation to Ignatian spirituality, quote, he began to find himself in imagination, present in the scenes, conversations, and stories of the gospels. And he began to participate in the plots of these stories. 
It was the start for him of an adventure into imaginative prayer that was to become a most powerful catalyst for the growth of his personal relationship with God, end quote. Ignatius's relationship with God grew so deep that he dedicated his life to leading others to spiritual transformation. He recorded his methods in his journal, later publishing it in a book, The Spiritual Exercises, which includes the practice of contemplation and many other rich spiritual practices. He began a religious order called the Society of Jesus or the Jesuits that continues to this day, blessing many in the name of Jesus. As I have spent over a year mostly stuck in my home due to the pandemic, I have struggled on many levels, emotionally, psychologically, physically, socially, but even in the midst of the difficulty where I see myself failing on so many levels, I have experienced deep spiritual growth. I give my capstone project the credit for this shimmering light in the midst of my gloom. For this project, I have participated in personal daily prayer sessions using Kevin O'Brien's book, The Ignatian Adventure, experiencing the spiritual exercises of St. Ignatius in daily life. This book has served as a spiritual guide, leading me through the entirety of St. Ignatius's spiritual exercises. As I Hagah meditate on biblical stories, I feel myself being transported back to ancient times. It's as if I am there with Jesus and his companions. Even though I have not yet been able to travel to the Middle East with Dorothy Jean and Kevin, through Ignatian contemplation, I have felt the intense Middle Eastern sun baking my skin and smelled the fishy scent of the Sea of Galilee. I have seen the crowds shoving each other as they vie for the opportunity to speak with Jesus or simply touch the hem of his garment. I have heard the pigs screech as they hurl themselves off a cliff. And I have tasted all sorts of foods as I have eaten with Jesus again and again and again. When the father sprinted to and embraced his son who returned home licking his wounds following a series of incredibly foolish decisions, I felt the arms and the tears of my recklessly extravagant divine parent embracing me. When I tried to explain the remorse I felt about my incredibly foolish decisions in life, God did not shame me. God celebrated my presence. I could feel deep within myself that nothing that I could do can separate me from the love of God. For me, playing and praying with scripture has become a full sensory experience that causes me to embody the love of God in ways I have not previously been able to do. Now, because the focus of my Master of Divinity degree is not only for my spiritual, personal spiritual formation, but also to shepherd others as they are being spiritually formed by God's spirit, my capstone project did not end with my personal engagement with Ignatian spirituality. I have in introduced Ignatian contemplation to my congregation and have discovered that some find this practice more engaging than others do. Many of my congregants have such strong impulses to dialogue that they cannot keep from chatting about what they are noticing during the contemplation. This of course is a distraction as hands are flying all over the screen while some are trying to focus on the story. <sighs> Hi, hi, we are a work in progress. They are learning to think inside their heads and I am learning how to adapt. 
Even though it is a challenge, I love to see their enthusiasm for entering the stories. I wanted to get some experience leading hearing people in this practice as well. So I put together a six session group contemplation experience based on the spiritual exercises. Although six sessions does not adequately cover all the riches that Ignatian spirituality offers, I carefully chose biblical narratives to represent each section of the exercises to whet participants' appetites so that they will hunger for opportunities to feast on even more biblical narratives. Once I had my curriculum developed, I invited my friends and colleagues to engage in this practice with me. 15 people agreed to join me via Zoom to play and pray with these narratives. The participants were eight pastors, three seminary students, and four lay church members from 13 communities of faith and four states and two denominations. It's good to see several of you here on Zoom today. After our six weeks together, each participant was kind enough to complete a survey, giving feedback about their experiences with the spiritual practice. The variety of experiences shared was amazing, and I would love to share some of them with you. However, I think a better use of the remainder of our time together would be for us to experience a taste of this spiritual practice together. So because of times time constraints, this is going to be a fast sampling. So strap on your seatbelts. Normally, I would read through the passage twice, but today I will only read it once. The passage I have chosen for us to contemplate is Luke 8, verses 22 to 25. Jesus calms a storm. So as I read through the passage with questions and very brief pauses, feel free to let your mind wander to wherever God's spirit is leading you. I encourage you to experience the story as if you were there. Before we begin, I will light my candle. Representing Christ's presence with us today. And I will pray for the following graces. To know Jesus more intimately. To love him more intensely. And to follow him more closely. Let's take a few centering breaths, breathing in God's spirit and breathing out anything that distracts you from being in God's presence. As I share my screen, I invite you to enter the story. One day, Jesus got into a boat with his disciples, and he said to them, let us go across to the other side of the lake. Look around you as you climb into the boat with Jesus. Notice who else is with you. What do you see as you look out over the sky and the waters of the Sea of Galilee? Do you feel the breeze coming off the water? What is your mood? So they put out and while they were sailing, Jesus fell asleep. As you sail across the sea, feel the gentle motion 
of the boat. Listen for birds singing as they fly overhead. Are you tired? Does the motion of the boat and the music of the birds cause your eyes to close as Jesus's did? Suddenly, a windstorm swept down on the lake and the boat was filling with water. They were in danger. Feel the wind slapping you in your face, jerking you out of your serenity, throwing you into a state of panic. Watch the cool water slosh over your feet as it fills the boat. Does this cause your heart to pound inside your chest? They went to Jesus and they woke him up shouting, master, master, we are perishing. As you wake up, Jesus, do you feel the fear of death? What do you expect Jesus to do for you? And Jesus woke up and rebuked the wind and the raging waves. They ceased and there was a calm. Watch as the raging waves suddenly stop. Do you feel your adrenaline level decrease as the sea becomes still? What emotions are you feeling now? Jesus said to them, where is your faith? Does Jesus look at you as he speaks? How do you react to his question? They were afraid and amazed and said to one another, who then is this that he commands even the winds and the water? and they obey him. Do you feel fear and amazement? Is, if Jesus has the power to command nature, what does this mean for you as one of his followers? Now, if we were doing this contemplation together in an hour long session, we would have gone through this passage much slower. And we would have had more time to linger here at the end of the scene. I would invite you to a colloquy, a conversation with the divine to explore what God is saying to you personally through the story. After 10 minutes or so, I would close the silence with a spoken prayer. Then I would invite you to share about your experience. It is amazing to me how the sp spirit speaks to people so differently using the same story. In our sharing time, we are blessed by each other's imaginations. Unfortunately, we don't have time to share our revelations today with one another. I do hope, however, that this short contemplation has whetted your appetite for more. I would be happy to point you to resources to do this on your own, or if you would like to do this in a group, let me know. I would love to continue exploring this spiritual practice in a variety of settings with diverse people groups. You can contact me through my um, EMU email address, which is just my first name, last name, emu.edu. Let us close in prayer. God, thank you for your presence here with us today. Thank you that when we cry out to you in the midst of our own raging seas, you see us and calm our hearts. 
Thank you for the gift of Ignatian contemplation and how it has drawn me and many others over the centuries closer to you. May we go from here seeking to praise, reverence, and serve you always. Amen. Thank you so much, Mary Beth, for your presentation that included this participation element. We have a few minutes for responses, affirmations, and questions. If you would like, if you are in Martin Chapel, please raise your hand and I will share a microphone with you. If you are on Zoom, you may unmute yourself to offer a comment or question. Well, this is James and uh, thank you very much, Beth, for introducing us to that method. I uh, appreciated it very much and I look forward to uh, leading in that kind of way. Um, that's very good. I am assuming you use the word narrative that the passages you're covering are typically not intellectual, they're not epistles so much as they are narrative form passages. Yes, thank you for that. Um, and I would love to do this practice with you and the Faith and Life Commission sometime as well. That would be fun. Um, I, yes, mostly it works best with best with narratives, but it doesn't have to be limited to that. Um, in the uh, book that I'm using uh, by Kevin O'Brien, there are some of the Psalms that um, can carry you off into an imaginative land too. But it does, I have found um, that it does work best with narratives, with the gospel stories. I haven't done much with Old Testament stories, but I would love to enter into those narratives as well. I mean, there's just, there's just so much possibility out there to actually put yourself in the scene and experience um, the sights and the sounds and the smells and the tastes and everything that's going on in the scene. So it's been really good. I have a question, Mary Beth. Uh, this is Jennifer Davis Sensenig. Thank you so much for your presentation. Um, I am curious about um, one of the one of the queries that you had for us early on when when you were leading the process. Um, I can't remember exactly what your question was, and maybe you have it in your notes. But it was it was kind of like, okay, now that you're in the boat, how are you feeling, or what are you experiencing? And so, I was thinking about. Um, I would like to hear your perspective on the value of um, entering into the biblical story um, in some ways, leaving behind whatever uh, we're feeling, experiencing, et cetera, right now, and how much it's an opportunity to bring who we are and then see how the story ministers to us and how the spirit works with us. I'm just, I'm just curious about that because, you know, um, some kinds of imaginative literature is, is we refer to as escape, you know? So I'm just kind of curious about that, what you can tell us about Ignatian uh, spirituality in that respect. Yeah, so that's a great question. And it's, it was interesting as I was leading the groups through, um, some of the contemplations, we were going through Lent and um, very early on in Lent, we already had Jesus at the cross and then we had him resurrected before Lent was over. And so it was a little bit of a disconnect there because it was like, how do you put yourself into the scene when it's not, um, you're, you're not, that's not where you are in the church calendar or um, just experiencing uh, 
creation in a time of the pandemic and so much death that surrounds us. Um, so it it is, I think, I think it can be used as an escape to kind of get away from what we are dealing with, but I think it's richer when you bring your own mood and your own what's happening in, in your own personal life to the story as well and see what the spirit of God has to tell you about that story and how it can influence what's going on right now in our own lives. Another thing that can happen is during the um, contemplation experience, you can your mind uh, notice that some people their minds just wander to wander to a completely different part of the story that's not even really a part of the narrative. Um, but the spirit takes them someplace else, and it's just in the sharing that people give. It's just really rich stuff that they experience through this kind of just mindful presence of of being in the story and letting the story form you and inform your own particular situation. Thank you again, Mary Beth. Thank you for the questions that we had time for. And again, you're welcome to provide feedback on the Google form if you would like to for Mary Beth. We now get to turn to Carmen Miller's capstone presentation and her daughter, Ginny, will be introducing her by video. Good morning. Um, I was honored when my mom asked me to introduce her. Um, yeah, I'm very excited. When I was a kid, I didn't realize it, but my house was always Full of art. Paintings from lo local Harrisonburg artists, metal wall art from Haiti, and pictures of family. It was only recently that I realized and truly appreciated this wide variety of visual media in my home, and I attribute its presence to my mom. As well as art in my house, Caring for people has always been something that I've seen demonstrated. I am amazed by the number of cards my mom has sent, even just in this past year, as well as the amount of time she sets aside to be with people. I have had faith in her from the beginning of her starting seminary until now, and I am excited for what lies ahead in her future. She will be serving as the supportive living chaplain at Virginia Mennonite Retirement Community, where I think she will positively touch many lives. Let's pray. God, I ask that you be with my mom as she shares with us today. Help her to speak the words that need to be spoken and help us to hear the words we need to hear. Amen. Hmm. Well, Wednesday, February 26, 2020, opened up the Lent season, and I'd stumbled upon Sister Wendy Beckett's little book entitled The Art of Lent, a painting a day from Ash Wednesday to Easter. And the opening image for Ash Wednesday was the great wave. Little did I know how much this turbulent, foaming wave image, image paired with Romans 8, 38 to 39, nothing in all of creation can separate us from the love of God, would stick with me for this pandemic season to follow. Would this project have emerged in the midst of a normal seminary year? I believe that the visual arts are a gift to pastors, chaplains, spiritual directors, and truly all people. And my intention is to show that contemplative practices that integrate spending time with works of art, taking contemplative photographs, reading hand calligraphied scripture, and ministering with contemplative images all contribute to a greater love for God and shape a person to be more fully present in love. The spiritual practices that have shaped me are possibilities for others. And I believe there's theological grounding and relevancy rooted in God as creator, 
Jesus as incarnate and the Spirit's enlivening presence, which draws us towards beauty through wonder and ultimately to love. You'll hear my thinking and about my own making in this presentation with influence by Sister Wendy Beckett, Makoto Fujimura, Frederick Beekner, and Madeline Leingel. My research process stirred a new desire in me to create, and I'll share my work as a culmination of this project. Sister Wendy Beckett, a nun living much of her life in a small trailer on the grounds of Norfolk's Carmelite Monastery, invited me to a new spiritual practice of simply viewing pieces of art with openness to God's stirring. In her book entitled Sister Wendy Beckett on Art and the Sacred, her introductory reflection makes a case for art's invitation to us throughout all of history to search for the truth, the infinite, the sacred. In the search for meaning and works of beauty and even images that disturb, one may be drawn to prayer. Beckett described this as our need to pray through the visual. I was drawn to Janet McKenzie's The Visitation, Mark Rothko's Number One, White and Red, Emmanuel Garibay's Untitled Risen Christ, Scott Erickson's Sorrowful Saint, and Willem de Kooning's Door to the River. These particular pieces opened me and stirred me specifically towards Jesus Christ, his birth, death, resurrection, and glorious reign, along with his invitations to us towards a new creation of shalom. James K.A. Smith, in his recent Image Magazine editorial article entitled How to Visit an Art Museum, Disciplines of Availability, responds to the claim that art can shape and affect us. This honors the mystery of how such creations surprise us, claim us, unexpectedly affect us, sometimes with a new devotion we can hardly explain, sometimes with a sense of foreboding we can't shake, sometimes with a melancholy that pierces our numbness. These are the works of art that get under our skin, that we carry, and yes, let's risk saying it in our hearts, to quote Smith. The works I've shared with you open my heart in new ways to the presence of Christ. I gazed on them with love. In the fall of 2020, I chose to intentionally engage another practice, the practice of contemplative photography. One of my favorite theologians, Frederick Beekner, speaks of God's ongoing creative participation in this way. Using the same old materials of earth, air, fire, and water, every 24 hours, God creates something new out of them. If you think you're seeing the same show all over again, seven times a week, you're crazy. Every morning, you wake up to something that in all eternity never was before and never will be again. And the you that wakes up was never the same before and will never be the same again either. So one simple practice was noticing what was I drawn to in my day. As the images continued to accumulate, I recognized a theme of gratitude. The collection ranged from views on my country road, changing seasons, my CPE internship in the hospital, work at 10,000 villages, my family, seminary, things that made me laugh, and simple beauty. The practice of photography grounded me in gratitude, a prayer practice of thanks and intentional commitment by noticing my surroundings. In April 1998, the St. John's Abbey and University commissioned world-renowned calligrapher Donald Jackson as artistic director for a contemporary illumination project of the Bible. This project of technical theological pre-planning, preparation of calfskin pages, creation of hand-cut quills, inks, layered gold leaf illuminations, and slow intentional hand calligraphy took over 10 years to complete. So for a third practice, I chose to read gospel texts and psalms during my morning quiet time from copies of this monumental undertaking. It slowed my reading down. The incredible artists, monks, theologians, and supporters all stood behind my encounter with scripture and the illuminations. I smiled as I discovered one of only nine mistakes in 1,150 pages where humanity and humor shone through. I remember the delight as I noticed that alongside the calling of the disciples in Mark 3, there were seeds drifting across the page between words flung from the hand of a sower in the field illuminated in the adjacent column. I perceived the nudge of scripture handwritten so lovingly and the spirit speaking to me 
me, about God's invitation and how I was being called by Jesus Christ. My eyes were open to glorious scripture in a fresh new way. A final spiritual formation practice with images included some of my peers. Scott Erickson, a self-described touring painter, performance artist, and creative curate, designed 25 contemplative conversation images for chaplaincy therapy and healing type work. The practice of Visio Divina, divine seeing in Latin, invites reflection on our life and the divine sacred through the use of visual art. I was curious to explore how Scott Erickson's images might be utilized for chaplaincy ministry and pastoral care. A peer group of six agreed to collaboration as colleagues, sharing their insights and reflections. I invited each to notice which image that morning seemed to catch their attention and reflect in silence around questions. Their feedback, compiled from four separate occasions, included comments on themes of groundedness, deep feeling, direct reflections on the recent everyday stuff of life, a quieted soul. Participants were drawn into the images and connected them with family members, congregations, patients. The group noticed how much we all had to share, to teach, and to learn from one another. These different expressions, unearthed by the images, allowed each of us to share deeply from our inner lives. One individual expressed, these images stuck with me and were a source of opening up my relationship with God. So in the midst of these ongoing practices, I reflected on theological writing around faith, art, and ministry. Madeline Leingel, world-renowned author, has written on faith and art in Walking on Water. Leingel challenges the reader to keep childlike creativity in the midst of a world teaching us to unlearn our capacity to see. She cites the writing of Piney Eversole in The Politics of Creativity, saying, in our society at the age of five, 90% of the population measures high creativity. By the age of seven, the figure has dropped to 10%, and the percentage of adults with high creativity is only 2%. How are we unlearning what has unknowingly limited our imaginations and diminished our creativity? Lingle claims we are meant to be real and to see and recognize the real, glimpses of glory, We are all more than we know, and that wondrous reality, that wholeness, holiness, is there for all of us, not the qualified only. We're invited, both through our lives and through our creative art making, to show others a light that is so lovely that they all want with all their hearts to know the source of it, to quote Langle. Lives hidden in Christ are called to display this wholeness, holiness. I believe the creativity fostered through the arts as a way of seeing anew informs our ministry and allows us to see others with wonder, imagination, and love. Chaplaincy ministry begins with simply showing up and being present to another. A significant gift to another person is to truly be seen and heard, a ministering person who is able to engage reflective listening with paraphrasing, Productive questions and perception checks, among other listening skills, allows another to feel loved by God and the chaplain. Theologian Ben Quash highlights Jesus' ability to be with others. To quote him, Such being with is the consequence of the incarnation, of Jesus' being born into a human family, learning language, growing up, learning a trade, being part of a worshiping community, eating, drinking, sleeping. He elaborates by connecting being with to abiding and accompanying another. Bowen Family Systems Theory utilizes the triangle concept in regards to relationships. Murray Bowen believed the concept of a triangle provides a theoretical framework for understanding the microscopic functioning of all emotional systems. A two-person emotional system is unstable in that it forms itself into a three-person system or triangle under stress. So how do ministering people see themselves as connecting God, neighbor, and self in a triangle of love? The visual arts have a way of shaping a person to notice, to see in new ways, and to quiet oneself in order to accompany another towards God's abiding presence. Wonder is a valuable component to chaplaincy ministry. How does a pastor, spiritual director, or chaplain invite another to communion with God? When a ministering person sees another person as full of agency and with the capacity to think for self, 
the chaplain invites a spirit of imagination and wonder. If one can be curious with a calm spirit, serving in a less anxious researcher stance, the anxious group will often respond by mirroring this quiet, wonderful leader. Cecilia Gengalis Andrew and her book, Bridge to Wonder, Art as a Gospel of Beauty, describes how love is awakened in us when we've discovered something beautiful. She suggests that the Spanish word for wonder, asombro, can help our understanding. When someone is asombrado, there's an understanding that something has acted upon them and that there's been a response. They've become wonder-filled beings. As a Christ-centered chaplain, I see the cross and resurrection as the central wonderment of my faith, and the reconciling and redemptive wonderful work of Jesus compels me to greater imaginative love for others, which trusts that pain and suffering can be transformed. We lament, we hold on to hope, and we live in the love of God for all people as Asombrodo. Humans are created for relationships. We're creatures made for relationship with God and others. Biblical scholar Walter Brueggemann essentially describes a human as a person in relation. To be human is to have God's breath enlivening us, and humanness is only understood as relational. At a recent hospital visit, a patient proceeded to share with me story upon story involving a family system. One of my strengths in ministry is the capacity to imagine patient stories in my mind and hold on to the characters in a way that allows me to reflect back to a person with incredible clarity. I trust this allowed the patient to go deeper in her sharing. After the visit, I mapped out for myself a genogram of the family system, and I discovered there were 15 key figures in the person's sharing with me. This unfolded in a 45-minute visit with a complete stranger. My hope is that my reflective caring and honoring the Imago Dei in her allowed a greater awareness of God's love and Christ's reconciling spirit at work in her life. Jesus modeled this connection with others so beautifully in the Gospels. As he related to those around him, he invited others to join him for the day, reflected a knowing of others with great love, gathered around food, touched people, cried with friends, and called individuals by name. Jesus models the truest form of seeing, being with, wondering, relating, and loving. So it was Makoto Fujimura and his reflections around faith and art that transformed my thinking about God connection and art making. In his newly released book, Art Plus Faith, Fujimura articulates an understanding of being a mago dei created out of love to be creative, and we are by nature creative makers. Creator God calls us masterpieces loved, created, and recreated in Christ. And his primary thesis is that the essence of humanity under God is not just utility and practical applications, what we deem useless, but essential. The deepest realm of knowledge is in making, and conversely, making is the deepest integrated realm of knowing. He challenges our false understanding of pure utilitarian thinking to one of expansive, purposeful, and vast beauty, full of God's abundance. God did not build us as survival machines that would function like clockwork. We are creatures of magnificence and imagination made in the image of God. And Fujimura claims, simply put, when we make, God shows up. So as I reflected on this new way of loving God and others in the midst of our making, my project took a shift. The combination of spiritual practices with visual art and theological reflection, particularly in connection to chaplaincy ministry, contributed to my creative making. So in the beginning of January, I felt a strong urge to create and connect. The pandemic continued on. We've moved from 2020 to 2021. And on a Sunday afternoon, I found a creative font script for writing each person's name, a pack of Georgia O'Keeffe postcards, and proceeded to share a favorite Frederick Beekner quote handwritten to numerous family members, old classmates, and friends near and far. Undergirded with all of the theological reflections I'd recently read, I felt a clearer sense of purpose with divine affirmation to also creatively make 
as a spiritual practice and encouragement to others. So in this time of lockdown and distancing, my creative interactions seem to be tapping into an important God-given dynamic that I didn't want to ignore, one of love for God and others, making and connecting. Thus began the creative process towards a culminating art piece and cards. So I created this work as both a lament and a joyful response to this past year. I also desire that my artwork be shared with my seminary community. I'd graduate after a year of barely being in the seminary building and hardly seeing professors or peers at all in person. So I decided to create cards with both my image and an artist statement on the back to share my thinking around the art. So it's a both, as I've said, it's both a lament and a promise of hope. I took loving care with each envelope as I hand wrote the recipients' names. And what an appreciation for the St. John's Bible after doing this. <laughs> My artist statement printed on the back of each card reads, I took this photograph from my yard on a cold winter evening, February 20, 2021. The Canada geese crossing the sky were especially a gift to me. The following day, the front page of the New York Times visually highlighted half a million U.S. deaths to COVID-19 with 500,000 dots. The global loss on that day, according to the World Health Organization, totaled 2,445,002. This was a staggering figure. The ongoing beauty and rhythms of the natural world with God's ongoing invitations in the midst of fear, lament, and loss have been a balm to me this pandemic year. This Zambian fabric wrapped fair trade soaps I've used throughout 2020 and 2021. They symbolize for me the lament for the entire world. The fabric also symbolizes the acts of love shown by hand washing, masking, physical distancing, and vaccinating. In the midst of all of this, I've completed a second unit of clinical pastoral education at Sentara Rockingham Memorial Hospital. I believe my guiding principles around spiritual practices, connecting with God, noticing beauty, playing with my family, and seeking spaces of quiet have sustained me. With Jesus as my companion, I continued being intentional about my presence with others in love, honoring them with respect, and entrusting them into God's care with the Spirit's guidance. I love Colossians 1 and have illuminated verse 17 in gold pen. He himself, Christ Jesus, is before all things, and in him, all things hold together. I'm convinced that the visual arts can be further utilized in ministry. As leaders in congregations, among patients, with directees, how are we connecting with God and others through our creativity and making? All of us are created by the maker of all makers and have creative making abilities whether in the kitchen, with numbers, with words, in garages, on canvas, etc. Honor these abilities not just as hobbies, but as living into God's delight, as a joyful prayer practice, and what we were created to do. And for those of us who are still unconvinced we are artists, invite others in your congregation to share their work. Purchase handcrafted art. Step into a museum. And take your time, be present, wonder, open yourself to God's invitation. I'm delighted that my Mennonite denomination has a new hymnal published, Voices Together, where 12 artists have shared their visual works along with scripture and song. May your participation with the visual arts stir you to be present, to wonder, to connect, and to love. God, our creative maker, and others. I found the practices of time spent with visual art, contemplative photography as prayer, reading from the St. John's Bible so artfully handwritten, and connecting with peers around art designed for ministering people to deepen my faith, trust, and hope in God. I was not expecting to also create a piece, but found this to be another form of reflection, connection with others, and grew my love for God. As Annie Dillard wrote in her personal narrative, Pilgrim at Tinker Creek, to quote her, the answer must be, I think, that beauty and grace are performed whether or not we will or sense them. The least we can do is try to be there. 
I've tried to be there. May each of us gaze with love, seeing, wondering, and marveling at the beauty in front of us, and be transformed to live out a life of love for God and our neighbors by being present, wondering, and connecting. Thank you. I would invite you to, I invite you to give you a round of applause for both Carmen and Mary Beth. Thank you. If you're able to stay a moment past noon, we will have a time for questions and comments for Carmen. Before that, I have one announcement uh, related to Seminary Chapel. The entire community is invited to next week's chapel service, which will be a chance to honor Drs. Lonnie Yoder and Kenton Durstein for their combined 50 years of service teaching at EMS. Both of them will share some reflections and there will be time to share memories and blessings, both from on-campus and virtual locations. We invite you to join in Martin Chapel or through Zoom or Facebook Live. For those who are able, we would invite any questions, comments, or feedback with Carmen for a few minutes now. Oh my goodness. Well, my personal reflection, you know, Carmen, you and I have shared hours together, times when I was just torn apart, but just hearing this presentation just reminds me of how you have niched me together through my art, through your conversation. You are truly a blessing. I'm honored to know that you will be with my friends in VMRC. I told you that years ago, I'm not gonna. But just to hear that, I mean, it just, it just was, oh my God, for today, I'm just gonna walk on air. But just thank you for, for your friendship, for your love, for your community, for every part of you. And may you just you know, be blessed by God in your travels. I'm gonna miss you dearly, but I'm gonna make sure that I keep in touch. And just thank you. Carmen, thank you so much. Uh, I'm, I'm struck with the, the level of, of maybe a transformative use of this past year of uh, uh, just loss and separation, like made for relationship in this year where it's so challenging. W would you address that a bit? How, how, what sort of journey was it to kind of, I don't know, to, to find a way and to create then, well, I would say such depth of beauty and love out of our shared experience of separation, isolation. Well, and I mean, I have to say, it's been this time of separation, but at the same time, I did step into a second unit of clinical pastoral education at the hospital. So, I mean, I had hundreds of visits with patients where I was um, challenged at first to think of, oh my goodness, how do we connect when I have the goggles, the mask, I'm six feet back, and we can't touch one another, I mean, just even to hold a hand in prayer. Um, so it's both, you know, not being around the seminary building and my peers, but then um, figuring out how to remain connected, and really, you know, the postcards. I just... I would try to listen to the nudge of who I might send a card to or a note. Um, and I would have people respond like, I, a CCU nurse said, when I saw that envelope in my name, I just got so teary-eyed. <laughs> and I think just using um, the arts, I would say even my handwriting, to show a person, I see you, I care about you, God sees you through that. Yeah. Well, I'm just, I'm deeply touched, Carmen, about yes, your integration. Um, uh, yeah, and I've kind of 
been privileged to watch some of this, and I'm so glad for that. I, I was struck by your comment about the, the limited creativity we have as adults, and wow, and just how untapped that is. And I just, I don't know if you have any thoughts about how we might stimulate that, or what you, just from your own, you know, just your own practices, how we might stimulate that in our communities, our Christian communities. Yeah. Well, quite frankly, in the last couple weeks, when I was sharing with someone about my project, they said, oh, are you an artist? And I felt like I could not just say, yes, I'm an artist. <laughs> we all are, right? Um, so I think that's a challenge, um, how to live into that. I would love if everybody would read Fujimara's book on art and faith. Um, because I think it's more expansive than just creating a visual piece of art. Um, but yes, I'm still trying to figure out how to use the, the image cards in my chaplain role. Um, and I think maybe as I think about being with people more than one visit, I, I think about maybe returning to a conversation with an image card. Like, you know, this... As you shared with me, this came to my mind. And as we've talked in CPE, people use metaphors all the time when they speak, word pictures. So thank you. We can probably take one more question or comment if there is one before we wrap. Hey, Mom. Um, I really enjoyed this presentation so much. I. <laughs> Uh, Being your daughter, I see similarities in us, even just how we seem to appreciate the sky. Um, yeah, here in Alaska, one of my biggest happies is seeing blue sky and clouds every day and seeing that in your presentation um, just made me really happy as well as like seeing, seeing Harrisonburg. Um, yeah, I... How did you decide to focus on this as your capstone? Um, I think it was awesome and I really enjoyed it. And yeah, how did you decide to focus on visual art? Well, what a great question. Um, I do remember sitting around a fire with some young adults last summer and the idea was sort of percolating because as I shared like when Lent kicked off I was using uh, the art of Lent and these two young women when I kind of threw out my capstone wonderings they both immediately referenced works of art that they could think of one being like a glass cross that was made with papers that had confessions that were burned into the cross and turned to ash, and another Joel Sheasley piece, um, camels that I had incorporated into a, my Jeremiah paper. And I just thought, oh my goodness, if 20-somethings can connect so quickly with what I ha might have to say, maybe that's a, something to listen to. Um, but great question. The nudge, the Spirit's invitation, really. Thank you again, everyone, for staying a little bit past noon to engage Carmen's work and for your support of all of our MDiv students. This concludes our capstone presentations. So thank you all. Thank you all for coming. I appreciate it so much. <laughs>